Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chad. Today is Sunday, June 27th, 2021. Welcome to The Way, R122 Ministry Live Online. Uh, thank you for joining us today. If you're listening to the podcast, thank you for listening to the podcast as well. Please be sure and share it if you could. It uh, definitely helps. It would be greatly appreciated. The title of today's message is Christ Preeminent and Personal. Uh, it's actually a very simple message, uh, but I think a very beautiful message uh, that just came to mind yesterday as I was doing some reading and some studying. I thought, wow, this is really something that I think would be a, a blessing for many people to hear. So I wanted to go ahead and preach on this today. Christ preeminent and personal. Let's pray. We'll get into today's message. Heavenly Father, thank you again that we're able to gather here uh, at a distance as brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, open each heart and mind and spirit to your word today and your, and your truth, that we would uh, grow closer to you through it, that we would gather, uh, obtain a greater understanding of you from your word, uh, that you would bless us with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of you, and that we would be strengthened and edified as we uh, hear this word today. And we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Christ, preeminent and personal. And the first part of that is what I want to look at first, Christ preeminent. And to do so, let's look at uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 20. If you've got your Bibles, you could turn to that or just follow along on the screen. But let's look at Colossians 1, 15 through 20, discussing Christ's preeminence. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, when we consider the uniqueness of Christ as Lord and King by considering his preeminent omnipotence, his omniscience, his immutability, etc., his, his, his attributes, as Christ, our Lord and Savior, King of King and Lord of Lords, those are all valid and true things that, that we should study and strive to become familiar with. But what a blessing it is to consider the preeminence of Christ contrasted with the personal intimacy and care that he gives each believer. And I think this is one of those areas of the Christian faith that if we really consider it and pray about it, and strive to have a greater understanding of it, we obtain uh, massive blessings from it. Because one of the most profound things to consider about Christ is his preeminence, how absolutely powerful and perfect and holy he is, and what he has done to save those that he came to save. But then you also consider him on that intimate, personal level that believers are blessed to have with him. 
that relationship that we are that we are blessed to have with Christ. And that's what this message is all about. So what I want to do, excuse me, is I'm just going to break down Colossians 1, 15 through 20, piece by piece, just to really get a, a flavor of his preeminence that Paul's writing about here in this portion of scripture. So let's look at the first part. He is the image of the invisible God. And, and one thing you notice right off the bat when you read this portion of scripture, like so much of what Paul writes, he can pack a relatively short portion of scripture with a massive amount of theological truth and uh, just amazing, wonderful information about Christ and the gospel. So he begins with, he is the, in, the image of the invisible God. So what he's telling us is Christ is the image of God. Christ is God manifested. The only way to see God is to look to and see Jesus Christ. All through the Old Testament, when if you study, study, study the theophanies that took place, when God presented himself to certain individuals down through history, whether it was Abraham or Moses, um, uh, like when Abraham was visited by the two men, or two, maybe it was three men that came to, to visit him at his tent when he told him that he and Sarah would have a child at, extremely, at an extremely old age. Um, it was fascinating to consider that one of those that came to visit him were was the Lord. It was a theophany. It was the Lord presenting himself to Abraham. That was Christ incarnate or manifesting, showing himself as God way back at that early time in biblical history. So he's the image of the invisible God. He is God manifested. And the only way to see God is to look to and see Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry, I took a very roundabout path there. But the point I'm trying to make is the only way to see God is to look to and see Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen the Father. One of Christ's purposes is to show us who God is. He is the manifestation of God. This is one of the areas where Mormonism quickly falls apart because Joseph Smith, claiming to be a prophet, claimed that the Father and the Son came and visited him. That does not happen. You know the Father through the Son. You never see the Father. If you want to know God, you have to know Jesus Christ. If you want to see God, you only see God through the person of Jesus Christ. All the world's concepts and theories about God that ignore Jesus Christ are futile, idolatrous, idolatrous, their deceptions, distractions, and diversions. So the only way to know God, to be reconciled to God, to have a relationship and see God is through the person and work of Jesus Christ and the Jesus Christ that you only come to know through his word and scripture. That's why John 14, 6 is so important. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you can only know God by knowing Christ. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty seven, Christ says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So again, a reiteration of the point that I'm trying to make right there. That's why Paul said he is the image of the invisible God. 
Then he continues, he is the firstborn of all creation. Now, this is one of those parts of scripture that people will take out of context or they won't understand it in its proper context and say, well, that's claiming that Christ was a created being. He's the firstborn. So God created him before he created everyone else. But if you look at the original language, what this is actually saying is that Christ is the principal heir, and through him, we are adopted into the family of God. When it's talking about firstborn, it's actually referring to the principal heir, and it's looking at that word is being used in the context of um, an inheritance. So he is considered the firstborn of all creation, the principal heir, that, and through him, we are adopted into the family of God. Look at Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So we are brought to the Father, adopted into his family through Jesus Christ, his son. Paul continues, for by him all things were created. And again, keep in mind, we're, we're trying to get across or understand the preeminence of Christ here. For by him, all things were created. Everything in all of universal creation, every aspect, every atom, every force, every part of all creation were created by Jesus Christ. Fascinating to consider when you think of that from an atomic level, the micro level, to the macro level, to the cosmos. It was all created by through and for Jesus Christ. Fascinating thing to consider. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. This is just such a, an interesting thing to think about. I feel the invisible, the heavenly, is more in every way than the invisible, than the visible. I think what we experience now, what we witness now, the space and time that we occupy is minuscule compared to what we are going to be experiencing when we are with the Lord in his kingdom. And the effects of the fall are stripped away and we are existing in his glory and in the image of God that he created us to exist in. I think it's going to be absolutely mind-blowing the things that we witness, the things that we understand, and the constant realizations that we are presented with throughout eternity as we spend eternity in the Lord's kingdom with him. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.9. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even comprehend what it's going to be like when we are freed from the effects of the fall that we are trapped in right now as we exist on this earth. I probably shouldn't use that word trapped, but th that we're existing in now on this plane, waiting for that time of uh, glorification with the Lord. Just a fascinating thing to consider. He continues, for, all, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now, this is interesting to think back to the last couple of weeks because I've been addressing these topics, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. When he says all these things were created, thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, he's talking about heavenly thrones, heavenly dominions, heavenly, heavenly rulers, heavenly 
authorities, those who worship and serve the Lord faithfully, as well as those who have rebelled. He's referring to the heavenly council that we that we learned about from Psalm 82 a couple weeks ago. And if you want to look into this more deeply, just research Psalm 82, Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and Daniel chapter 10. And it will give you a flavor of the uh, hierarchy of power that exists in the heavenly realm. And it will show you how those who rebelled against God will at the end of time be crushed and God will reclaim every aspect of his kingdom. It's referring to the princes of the present darkness of this world that we inhabit right now. Look at Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Christ created all of it and all of them. Some of them fell and they're in rebellion against him. And that's the war that we are engaged in right now. He also created earthly thrones, earthly dominions, earthly rulers, and earthly authorities. Those who worship and serve him faithfully, as well as those who are in rebellion against him. He created them all, and they are all serving, in one way or another, the final purpose of the message of the gospel of salvation by Jesus Christ and faith in him. All things work together for the good of those that are called according to his will and purpose. So he created all of it. All things were created through him and for him. And he will return one day to reclaim his kingdom and all that is his. Look at Psalm 82, verse 6 through 8 and Matthew 24, 30. Psalm 82, 6 through 8 says, I said, you are God's son of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit the nations. The world right now is under the control of forces that have been in, that are in rebellion against God, and they have been since this since the beginning of time, when they fell and decided to rebel against Him. That's when Christ set aside a, a, a nation for himself, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And those are, that are in Christ are the true Israel, the true children of Abraham, through the Spirit because of faith in him. But he will reclaim all of the nations that rightly belong to him on the final day. And then Matthew 24, 30, then will appear in, the, in the heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So he is returning, and he will reclaim all that is his when he comes into his kingdom. Consider that he says, for you shall inherit the nations in Psalm 82, 6 through 8. From the cross, the gospel went forth. The gospel is what's conquering the nations in the name of Christ right now. Fascinating to consider. Paul continues, and he is before all things. Look at John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Christ is the Word of God who created everything. He is without beginning and he is without end. 
He is the great I am. When Moses asked God at, at the burning bush, who should I tell the people that you are? Who are you? He said, I am. Timeless, not limited by space and time. I am. Christ took that same title during his ministry. When he was asked who he was, he said, I tell them that I am sent you. Fascinating. And in him, all things hold together. So you get this picture of Christ. All things were created by him, for him, and through him. And by him, all things hold together. He gives life. He is life. And he sustains life. He is the singularity at the single, at the center of all creation. I preached a sermon by that title, I think, within the last year. He, what's fascinating right now is to consider that Christ is what science is searching for. All the answers that science has been striving for from the beginning of time point to Jesus Christ. The singularity that they are trying to discover will only be found in Jesus Christ. He is what the world searches for, yet rejects. If you look at all the things that the world tries to create and invent in order to overcome the problems and the struggles and the distress of mankind, all of those things can be found. All of those solutions and those answers exist in the person and work of Jesus Christ, but the world does not want to look to Christ, so it continues in futility, in attempts to find ways to fix mankind when there are none outside of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in him, all things hold together. If you are looking for any kind of life answer and Jesus Christ is not a part of it, you will eventually fail. There is no answer outside of Jesus Christ. And he is the head of the body, the church. Christ is in the world now in the body of his invisible church. Now notice I said invisible church, not the visible church. The visible church that the world sees as modern Christianity, like we've said before, probably 90% of that is very far from the true invisible church, which are the true children of God that are truly in Christ, trusting faithfully in him and his imputed righteousness. We live in a time where the word remnant is very applicable in explaining the condition of the modern church. I believe that we, people often try to look at modern events and things that are happening and think, is this an, you know, a sign that we're in the end times? I think if there's any sign that we're in the end times that is glaring, it's the fact that Christ says there will be a great falling away before his return. And I believe that's what we've been seeing for probably the last 50, 75, 100 years. Especially it's this, this falling away from the true Christian message, the true unadulterated, uncompromised gospel of salvation by Christ uh, through faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And I believe that's one of the biggest signs showing us that we could very well be in the end times. Now, remember, we're dealing with God's timeline, so that end times could take what we consider to be a very long time. But I do think it's a very important thing for us to look at is the fact that there is a remnant of the church right now that is true, and the vast majority is not. But those that are in the true body of Christ, that is the body of Christ in the earth 
on, in the world right now. He is the head of the body, the church. It says he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. His death and resurrection made all things new and were the beginning of the new covenant. So when Christ died and rose again, all things in him became new, and that was the beginning of the new covenant. It was shown that the old covenant could not save anyone because it was humanly impossible to live according to God's law. The only one that was able to do that was Jesus Christ. He did it perfectly, and his perfect righteousness because of that and the sacrifice he made for us was the beginning of the new covenant that reconciles us to the Father. As he was resurrected from the dead by the power of God, so will believers be resurrected by the same power. We get to look forward to, be to being resurrected bodily on that final day by the same power that resurrected Christ and brought him out of the tomb three days after he died. That in everything he might be preeminent. That in everything he might be preeminent. Notice that. Nothing is left out. He is preeminent in everything. Remember I said all the answers that science is looking for? All the solutions that mankind has been striving for futilely for centuries? None of those things work because Christ is preeminent in everything. The cross of Calvary was his universal and eternal victory. All of creation centers on Calvary. Everything rotates around Calvary in history. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Uh, pretty much a reiteration of, of verse 15 above, which said, he is the image of the invisible God. He is God incarnate, and in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Folks, the cosmic war of the ages has been won. Those who were lost are found. Those who were separated from God are brought near to him and reconciled to him and have, have peace with him by the blood of Christ's cross. I'll repeat that. Those who were separated from God are brought near to him and reconciled to him and have peace with him by the blood of Christ's cross. Praise the Lord for that. Okay, so I just, like I said, this is a very simple sermon. I just wanted to get a picture of Christ's preeminence. We could go into it much deeper. It's something you could study for months. But with that in mind, thinking of all of what we have just heard about Christ in his preeminence, now I just want to consider him in a personal context. And this is where it's fascinating. If you think about him being the creator of all of creation, the universe, time, everything we could ever possibly imagine, but he interacts on a very personal level. And this is where it's almost beyond our capacity to grasp and to understand. And I just want to give a few examples from the scriptures of where Christ acted in a very personal way. God, the God who had created everything, interacting with one individual in a very individual, personal, and intimate way. The first example is from John chapter 5, verses 2 through 3, and then 5 through 9. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, 
lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So Christ, the peak of his ministry, crowds were following him. He was busy from morning till night, stopped and recognized this man and spent time speaking to this man, asking him if he wanted to be healed and healing him in such a supernatural way. This man thought he needed to go into the water because it had been believed that the angel came down and stirred the water, I believe like once a year. And if you went in, the first to go in would be healed, but he could never get into the water. Christ stopped and had a personal, intimate interaction with this man and healed him. Think of that. The preeminence contrasted with that personal care and love that he showed that man. Now let's look at John 11, 32 through 35. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother, she's speaking of her brother Lazarus, would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, And the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And I think this is the shortest verse in scripture. Jesus wept. So again, think of what we heard at the beginning of the sermon about the preeminence of Christ, who he is, the power that he possesses. His omniscience, his immutability, his omnipotence, his sovereignty. And he weeps here when he sees those that he cares about and loves mourning over the death of Lazarus. It affected him so deeply that he wept. Think of that. How profound is that, that he cares that much? It's absolutely amazing to consider that. Now let's look at it, at it on more of a personal level for us. Psalm 18, 16 through 19. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Folks, can you say that? I remember the first time this really struck me. I've read the Psalms over and over for years. And I remember a few years ago when I was reading this Psalm, all of a sudden those four words just struck me. He delighted in me. Think of that. If you're a child of God, If you are one of those chosen ones that he came to save, if the Holy Spirit has moved on you and taken that heart of stone and replaced it with a heart of flesh, and you've been set free from that life of sin and depravity, and you've repented and began to follow Christ, and you've placed your faith and your trust in him, he has delighted in you. Just consider what that's saying. Because he delighted in me. I think what really struck me when I first saw this, 
is I had like this image in my mind because like when somebody like me reads that, you can relate to where he talks about many waters. Anybody that's trapped, been trapped in sin and addiction and all the garbage that I was trapped in, it's like you're just drowning because there's so much crazy stuff going on in your life. And he's rescuing you from those, those waters that, that, that you're drowning in. And he's saving you from that strong enemy that hates you and is seeking to destroy you, that is overpowering you. He confronts all of that. He supports you and he brings you out. Just picture that into a broad place, like a beautiful painting where you just picture this broad, beautiful, open landscape with fresh air, clear, clean water, a beautiful green landscape because he delighted in me. But I get the picture of him lifting you out of that mire and he has just this rapturous smile on his face of joy because he's delighting in the fact that he's saving you. What a beautiful thing to consider. How more personal can it get than that? What an awesome thing to consider. That's one of those things to memorize when you're struggling with gratitude or you're down, that the Lord delighted to save you. Absolutely mind-blowing. So with that in mind, I'm going to close with 1 Peter 5, 6 through 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That would be something I would just ask you guys to meditate on in the coming week. The preeminence of Christ who he is on a cosmic level, it's its so vast, it's, it's so amazing to consider, but then the fact that he delights in us and he cares for us. What could ever hurt us if that's the case? If the one that we have a personal, intimate, loving relationship with is that preeminent and that vast and that cosmic, what could ever hurt us? An amazing thing to consider. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for your love, your care, your mercy, for what you did to coming uh, in coming to save us. And Lord, I just ask that you would guide us in the coming week, that you would open opportunities for us to share the gospel, that you would bless those that are hurting and that are sick, that you would comfort those that are struggling, that you would help us to stay on the narrow path, and that during these times of confusion and so much darkness, that we would shine like lights brighter and brighter, and that we would not be weighed down uh, by the things of this world, uh, but that we would look to you and trust in you and rejoice in you, and that we would delight in you because we know that you have told us that you delight in us. We just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here today, folks. If you get a chance, please visit our sponsor site, elephantwalk.net. Caring in every step reflected in the quality of our products and the efforts to combat poverty and support wildlife conservation that our sales help support. If you type the way, all lowercase, during checkout, you get 10% off. That is a coupon that's set up in our website system uh, just for people that visit from the ministry. So just type in the way, all lowercase, at checkout, and you automatically get 10% off. You can visit our website at the way, uh, the letter r122.org. You can subscribe to the podcast at Christian podcast community.org. Um, it was pretty cool last week. I get stats every Sunday morning from the website. 
are from the podcast service that we use to to publish the podcast. And we just have gone over 10,000 downloads of the podcast, uh, which is pretty cool because I've really only been publishing weekly um, for about, I think it's just a little over a year. So it seems like that's a pretty good number to be able to hit 10,000 downloads in a year. Um, you can find the, the podcast by going to christianpodcastcommunity.org. Just type the way radio in the search field. There's some other great podcasts there. Um, Christian podcasts that you can listen to as well. And please let people know about the podcast. If you like the sermons, if you like the messages that, that I'm putting out, um, I'd love for more people to be able to hear them. If you'd like to comment or have a question or, or you'd like to reach out and, and communicate with me, please feel free to do so. Just email me at chat uh, at the way the letter R122 org. We are currently on YouTube, but hanging on by a very thin thread. I was put on probation for two weeks, couldn't upload anything. I think that's done now. Um, uh, they said I've got like one more strike. So if I post something else that they don't like, they're just going to eliminate the channel. So I've been putting all the videos slowly onto Rumble. So I'd ask anybody that's listening to please subscribe to our channel on Rumble and you just search for the way the letter R one two two. You'll go to that'll take you to our Rumble channel, and I'll be putting the videos up there. But with the last this sermon probably wouldn't get me kicked off YouTube because I didn't mention the vaccine or anything else. But the previous two that I haven't published yet, those will be the final straw. I think that get me kicked off YouTube, which is fine. But I would love to have the subscribers from YouTube transfer over to Rumble as soon as possible because um, I just want to try to get as much. Uh, traffic there as we can. So on Rumble at the way, the letter R122. Uh, you can donate at the way R122.org. Our main focus of the ministry right now is to expand the podcast as much as possible because it's growing to get the Rumble channel uh, as populated with gospel videos as we possibly can. And the main thing right now in the ministry is to get the Bible school established at my friend Patrick's church in Nairobi, Kenya, and also to better establish the two elementary children's schools that he runs. There's one in Nairobi and there's another one in Kisi. And we really want to help those two schools to grow and to become more, uh, to have a better foundation under them. They struggle financially every month uh, because they need to feed the children. And the goal of these schools is to provide uh, educational opportunities to kids whose families can't afford to send them uh, to public schools, which costs money. So um, we're very much hoping, hoping in this next six months, hopefully, to get those really up and running. You can also pray about um, that and help us in that way. I'd really appreciate it. Just go to the way, the letter R122.org, and just go to the donut, donate page. All right. Thank you for being here. We will be back here next week, same time, same place. God bless you guys. Take care.